shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. my friend. Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching, listening to my video podcast, My Friend Autism. I am Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, and I'm all about helping you and those around you raise your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you should check out my channels and subscribe, Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, my primary YouTube channel, and this channel exclusively for my video podcasts, Orion Kelly Podcasts. And of course, if you're listening to my podcast, wherever you get your podcast stuff, and oh, I've said it too many times. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Now, I want to talk about something that I think is really important because as autistic people, there are clearly misconceptions, right? There's myths and they can be uh, perpetuated by uh, the media or just by general lack of information. So let's talk about it and therefore hopefully provide people with more information and therefore they'll hopefully understand and appreciate and accept autistic people more. Why, why can autistic people seem rude? That is what we're going to talk about. I want to explore this and trust me, along the way, I'll be as rude as I can. (laughs) All right, so let's explore why autistic people can seem rude and are often misunderstood. I think you know by now if you're an autistic person or you've experienced uh, having someone in your life who's autistic, you realise one of the, the banes of an autistic person's existence is this inability to not be misunderstood. In fact, on a daily basis, just living and breathing, pretty much everything you do, misunderstood. And it's horrible. People think, well, just stop being misunderstood, mate. Just get yourself together. It doesn't work like <laughs> When you have a different brain, the standard operating procedure is different and therefore you're going to be misunderstood and it's really horrible. Actually, it's quite debilitating and it, and it probably contributes to you know, the mental health, the mental health damage done to autistic people living in this neurotypical world. So you get at this point when we talk about autism, We're talking about a neurodevelopmental condition that impacts social interaction and communication. I'm shot already. (laughs) And causes us to struggle with social norms and expectations. Now, what happens then? So if, if we, out of the box, right, have challenges with social interaction and communication and we struggle with social norms and expectations, what's going to happen? We're going to be misunderstood. This kind of challenge, these challenges lead to misunderstandings. And that can lead to a perception of rudeness. So we get to the root cause. We realize it's not us being rude or we're rude people. It's us being autistic and it being misinterpreted, misunderstood. 
perceived wrongly. So how about some examples? Would that help? Would that make you happy? Would that make you happy if I gave you some precious examples? I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Here we go. Let's go through some practical examples of how autistic people can appear rude. Number one, the old chestnut, eye contact, zing. By the way, have you seen there's apps now where there's this like AI eye contact where you're like a push a button, you do a video, right? And you push a button and it makes the video look like you're constantly looking into the camera. So it changes the eye contact. So the eye contact is constantly down the camera as in this is a benefit. I, I almost want to do a video where I do that just to show you how crazy and horrific it is. I mean, like, Anyway, that's the, that's the worst case scenario. If I did a video for autistic people and I did the AI app thing where my filter thing where my eyes are constantly looking at you, that would not go, that would not go well. It may explode the internet. We may not recover. So lack of eye contact. That makes you rude, yeah? You know, you hear some people say it all the time. Look at me in the eye when I'm talking to you. Why can't you show me the respect of looking at me when I'm talking to you or when you're talking to me. Are we having a conversation? Where are you? Look at me. Look me in the eyes. Eyes up here, that kind of stuff. So as autistic people, we actually can avoid making eye contact in social situations. And that can be misinterpreted as rude. Disinterest. But you know it's not, right? Like you get that it's not. Right? God, I hope you do. How is it rude? If you're an autistic person and eye contact can actually be an impediment to you engaging in a conversation, so you don't do that so you can engage in a conversation and in doing that people think you're not engaged, you can't win, but you still try to engage through not making eye contact to process the words, the sounds, whatever's going on around you and try to Okay, I'm trying to hear what you're saying. A lot of times I might close my eyes if someone's talking to me, right? I want to hear what you're saying. I want to process it. I want to, you know, interact, engage back. So it's, there's nothing about this that's rude. Now, of course, in some cultures and customs, you know, that people just think eye contact is really important. In, in, and I'm no cultural expert. But it's my understanding, just from living and breathing, there are, there are in fact, many cultures throughout the world that think eye contact is a sign of disrespect, right? So this idea that, oh, you've just decided that the going, you know, the, the, the going rule, the running rule, the overarching rule, the principle on planet Earth is that eye contact is respect and lack of eye contact is disrespect is actually wrong. It's wrong. You can talk on, on your own behalf, great. Don't call us rude because we don't, maintain eye contact or we have a lack of eye contact. That's not us being rude. That's us being autistic. Difficulty with sarcasm or humour, this can feed into a misconception of rudeness. Okay, so autistic people, this includes me, by the way. Like I, I love making jokes. I love, I love humour and sarcasm. But I'm almost the last often to get the joke if, someone, if it's coming towards me. I might go, are you making the humour? Is, is that a joke? Like, 
because and they'll say and go, but that wasn't a funny joke or the, you know the joke would be better like this or what anyway. <clears throat> then another reason why they think I'm rude. We can struggle to understand or respond to sarcasm, to jokes, to other forms of humour. That obviously leads to misunderstandings and confusion. Great example of this, right? <clears throat> Maybe it's not your experience, but for me, I find, and you might find this with autistic people, they seem to be sometimes bloody awesome at making jokes. They seem to be so good at jokes or making people laugh, right? They can be really good at that. But they have no ability to take a joke. You know, when people will like, you, you make a joke and then someone will give something back and like suddenly that's not acceptable to you or you're offended or it upsets you or, and it's like, hang on a second, you just, you just gave me some crap. I'm just doing it back, right? So, yeah, that's another autistic paradox. So this, but, but that exactly explains what I've just said, right? So yeah, sure, we may be able to make jokes, make you laugh, that kind of stuff, right? And sometimes it might be unintentional. Because we think differently, we act differently, we speak differently. Sometimes people find that refreshing and funny or whatever. It might be unintentional. But then it comes to the other way and we're like, well, was that a joke? Is this a joke? I'm not sure what's happening here. So that kind of difficulty, not only with the sarcasm and the humour, but the processing it, understanding it, accepting it, can make us seem rude. Oh, so you can joke about me, but I can't joke about you. Is that what you're saying, Orion? Just want to see how this gets misinterpreted? That's another massive issue. Difficulty with small talk. Oh, my eyes have lit up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go slash blow. Difficulty with small talk. Autistic people may find it difficult to engage in cad... See, I can't even say it. I'm like the Fonz out of Happy Days. What, what couldn't he say? Was it no or sorry or one of those... He couldn't say one of those words. He'd always got to... He always got to say it and he couldn't say it. Was it, was it sorry or, or no? I can't remember. Anyway, I'm like that except I'm an autistic version and I hate small talk so much I can't even say the words casual conversation. Okay. <clears throat> that was hard. So we find it hard. And what happens then? Okay, so if you find it hard to, to understand and, and engage and be a part of Casual conversation, small talk. What happens? Well, again, you look disinterested. You are perceived as being rude, as, I don't know, what would you call it? Above above the conversation, arrogant, whatever. Now, this is not the case. Okay, I'm going to have a bit of a just hold hold for the rest of the list because I've got, oh, I'm ready to go here, my friends. <laughs> You're going to get a few TikToks out of this one, I'm telling you. All right, so here's the first thing, right? Okay, so small talk is not something that most autistic people not only understand but accept. And you think, well, that just makes you, what, are you better than us? That makes you rude. No, it doesn't. See, with a different brain, a logical brain, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a different perspective on the world. That's just Autism 101. So what I'm trying to tell you is it's okay for you to enjoy small talk. It's okay for you to en enjoy casual conversation. That's cool. But I'm saying don't say we're rude or disinterested because we don't understand it or want to be a part of it. Does that make sense? For example, this idea that, you know, like when your partner or someone, your family member gets home from work or school or whatever, that you've got to ask them, how was their day? Or if someone asks you, how was your day? Apparently that's, there's an unwritten rule that you must ask back. I don't give a crap about your day. Number one, it's done, right? I can't fix it. Number two, if it was a bad day, I'm going to want to try and fix it. 
and I don't have a time machine or a workable wormhole, so at this point in time, I can't go back and fix your day. So this is, oh, oh, oh how was your day? Who cares? How was the traffic? How was the traffic? What, what is the difference? It was, uh, it was there. I was in a car. There were other cars. Does that help you? How about the weather over the weekend? I can't believe it. It's warm one day. It's cold the next. I've got my aircon on one day, my heater on the other. I don't care. What? Open a window. Put on a blanket. Like this is this is conversation. This is conversation. No, it's, this is not conversation to me. <clears throat> How was your day? The weather, the traffic. These like, what have you been up to? What have I been up? Do you have a day? Sit down. Take a seat. Let me catch you up. What have I been up to? And then, and by the way, these casual conversations, there are no answers. What have you been up to? What do you say? What are you supposed to say? Because for me, it's a whole day. I'll give you what I've been up to, but it's going to take some time, mate. And there's going to be lots of rants and they're going to go off on tangents. I hope you're prepared to hear this answer. And it turns out they wanted me to just say, not bad. Not bad? So hang on, you're saying small talk is you, in fact, providing the question and the answer. So small talk is you saying, how was your day? But then you expect me to say, not bad, how was your day? So in other words, small talk is a question, answer, you know, pre-planned script that you just want me to engage in. I'm supposed to know the script. So uh, how was your day? Not bad. How was your day? <laughs> and the problem is in these small talk situations for me, I'll ask it twice. See what I'm saying? So like someone will come in and they'll go, you know, how was your day? Right? And I'll use the script. Oh, you know, uh, how was your day? And they might go, not bad. And then I might go, yeah, how was your day? <laughs> My brain freezes and then I, uh, where am I? I've forgotten where I am. Oh, hang on, I'm still in a conversation. What, am I, what are we talking about? Yeah, how was your day? You've already asked me how my day was. I said it was, was it, uh, not bad or something. I was like, oh, sorry, I, I missed the script up. Can we, can we go another take? That's what it is. Seriously. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. How was your day? I don't care. How have you been? I'm alive. I'm here. What did you think of that? I don't. Do you want to know what I thought about it? Because you don't care. So don't ask me. You know what I want to talk about? I don't want to talk about the weather. I want to talk about why I can't get rid of the feeling that every day goes by, more time goes by, more time passes as I progressively, you know, age and evolve to the point where I'll become, reach the, I don't know, the tipping point of no more existence. Going into a deep darkness of I don't know and what what will happen and where will I go and what and 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 where these you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> anyway, autistic people aren't rude. <laughs> yeah, I would assume that if you're like a standard person um, and you made it through that, that some of this is probably uh, presumably entertaining to you. I hope it is. I apologise if it isn't. <clears throat> All right, next example. Only 70 to go. A next example of how autistic people can appear rude. Difficulty with nonverbal communication. This is big, right? Okay, so we struggle, as you know, understanding interaction and communication. The nonverbal stuff can be even harder. So nonverbal cues, right? So facial expressions, body language, tone of voice, these signs and signals. Well, if you don't get them, 
You're not going to be engaged in the way you want us to be. So again, this disinterest or this lack of engagement or whatever you want to call it actually comes from challenges we have at a diagnosable level, given the fact we have a diagnosable condition, right? So keep that in mind. Your facial expressions don't mean much to us a lot of times. We don't understand which is which. Like this isn't, this isn't a new thing, guys. You get, you get those cards with people in different emotions for autistic kids. Get one of the autistic adults in their life to go through the same cards. They'll be as bad. Oh, apparently it gets better if you have the cards. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. What are you talking about? It's like memorising stuff for an exam, right? So if you have an autistic brain and the exam is to be a neurotypical brain, you can study, right? You can study your ass off. Stay up all night, do an all night of studying how to be, an autistic, how to be an, a neurotypical brain. You can go to your exam, do really well. Wake up the next day, you're an autistic brain again, you fail. Oh, no, but the cards will help. Yeah, they'll help today. <clears throat> so that's another one. Hope you remembered it. I don't remember what I was talking about. Our next one, sensory sensitivities. So autistic people have a, well, as you well know, a heightened sensitivity to, to the sensory stuff, to certain stimuli. Now, as I've talked about before, some can be an over and some can be an under, a hyper, a hypo. So and you know how you say sometimes you might see an autistic person like, do you realise your arm is dangling off your body? Like, oh, I thought I had a scratch. Right, there's a pain threshold differential there. It's disproportionate. Others can feel it really intensely. Same with, you know, sounds and smells. Like, what's that smell? Oh, this is always me. You know, there's no smell. There is. I'm telling you, there's a smell. You know, so these are kind of things, right? So these are some things that we deal with on a daily basis. Things can be too na- noisy. Touch, light. These types of things, because they're actual sensitivities, I mean, like significant sensitivities. I'm sure you've experienced this or seen this. And that look right to other people. Mate, I cooked some cheese an hour ago. Like, seriously, can you just get over it? Like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a light. Who cares if it's too bright for you? It's just a light. Let's move on now. You know, let's, let's come on. Let's get back into the world here. You see what I'm saying? But see, that's not how it works for autistic people. These reactions are real. They, have, they actually have a detriment to us. And then we come across, I don't know, what we come across looking like. What do you think? Come across looking like a brat or rude or whatever you want to call it. We're actually distressed, right? We're actually under distress from a sensory sensitivity. And we're overwhelmed. And all you care about is us looking rude. I mean, seriously. So, again, no, we're not rude in that situation where we've been oversensitized. We're an autistic person who's been oversensitized and we're trying to work out what's happening next, how we get out of this, how do we regulate ourselves before we shut down or, or melt down, you know what I mean? So reacting, oh, turn that off, turn this off, what's that smell? You know, can you close this, can you do this, can we do, you know, like these are modifications to regulate ourselves so we can enjoy whatever we're trying to enjoy together. And that's not rudeness, that's actually just trying to make it work. That's another big one. Lack of understanding of social norms and other examples. So as autistic people, we may not understand the nuances of social communication. As you know, that's the main challenge of ours, the idea that interactions and communications may come with rules, like unwritten conventions, different things. There's ways of doing things. This is the blueprint. We weren't given the rules of the game. It's not part of our 
our makeup, our brain. It doesn't make any sense to us. We, we can lack those social norms. And they're important, right? They're pretty important. If you don't, and by the way, you might go, yeah, so that just means you communicate inappropriately. Okay, if that's what you think, that just means you communicate disrespectfully. Or that just means you communicate rudely. Well, I guess if I had all the rules and I knew all the rules and it made sense to my brain and it was like second nature like it is to you, if you're a neurotypical person, then sure. But I don't have any of those things. So it isn't. My lack of social norms, my lack of knowing what's right, what's wrong, what's appropriate to you, you know, what's the right way of doing things, it doesn't exist. It's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't occur to me. That creates misunderstandings, that creates situations socially where you can appear rude. Of course we're not. We have a different brain, we're different. Now some people love that. Some people love how different autistic people are when they're in social situations and the way they speak. And, and some people don't. Either way, I'm not, I'm not telling you how to think. I'm telling you this is the reasons why they're like that. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. But, you know, this is, I'm trying to give you some insights here. A rigidity in thinking is a big one because autistic people, and people might go, oh, that doesn't sound very nice. Well, guys, autistic people have a different brain. Now, as part of that different brain is a stronger logical and emotional side and also a rigidity of thought a more concrete way of thinking and seeing the world. Some would call it black and white, logical, concrete, rigid, however you want to put it. That's as part of being autistic. We have difficulty as a, as a result of this adapting to change, adapting to new things, adapting to social norms. Again, if we don't understand the whole point of small talk, and we can't ever get a head around how to do it right or what, what the point of it is or we just we actually know what it is but we think it's just stupid, right? Well, okay, well, our thinking says, no, no, so you, you can do your small talk but I don't care about your day. I don't care about the weather. I don't want to be a part of that. And then that's rude. Of course, that's not, that, that, is, an, that is a classic autistic response, right? That's a, that is a rigid black or white response. Okay, so you like to small talk about the, the traffic. I don't care about the traffic. I, and also, I don't want to talk to you about the traffic. This is another example. That also flows in a difficulty with change. So, you know, this rigidity of thought, we are, we are really reliant on sameness, on routine, on plans. Now, that means we can struggle when there are changes to these routines these plans, the sameness, the structure of our day. That can lead to what you might class as rudeness. In fact, it's actually just distress, dysregulation. We are becoming frustrated, overwhelmed, dysregulated, distressed based on things we require to keep us regulated, being altered, changed, disrupted. That's the real reason. That's not rudeness. Difficulty with expressing empathy. Autistic people experience, express emotions and empathy differently. Now, you would think if you just Google it that we don't, we don't express them. We don't have them. That's not true. We, we, are, we are not emotionless robots. That is not true. We, we're all different, of course. Some are better at others. But there, there are many reasons why we have issues identifying our own emotions, identifying the emotions of others. 
interpreting it, processing it, and expressing it back. Providing emotions and empathy is something, trust me, in my experience, you know, autistic people can be extraordinarily empathetic, okay? And, and to the point where it's, we take it on and in so personally, it affects us, but we can't actually express that outwardly. It's like we're taking it on properly inside our very being. We just don't have the words to say it, which seems strange to me because the people that get the credit for it, the people that don't actually care but can say the right things, yet here we are in the corner broken because we've taken on what you're feeling to the point where it's so deep it's affecting us and we don't want you to go through that. And Anyway, so, yeah, sure, there's, there's struggles to do that in social situations, right, with emotions and empathy. But it's because we do it differently. It's not because we don't do it. So we're not rude. This is just a clear lack of understanding of the different way an autistic brain works. Tone of voice, another, another key example of how autistic people can appear rude. So autistic people can struggle to understand the tone of a conversation. And this obviously leads to misunderstandings, perceived rudeness. But in addition to that, autistic people can can come across rude based on their own tone. Have you heard this? Have you, have you said this to an autistic person? You don't like the tone they're talking or you don't like the volume they're talking. Or So people might say you're talking too loudly, you're yelling, you're being aggressive, you're talking too angrily or rude or, or whatever. These are all the words. In fact, most autistic people won't even be aware of the tone or the volume or the pace of their voice. Now, I've talked about this in videos. These are classic autistic traits. This, this inability to properly understand, register, control your own tone, volume, pitch, speed, all these things. It's classic. In, you know, in, in the majority of times my wife or someone might say, oh, you're sounding a bit aggressive. I don't think I sounded different to when I was sounding happy. I didn't realise that. To me, a lot of times that's, oh, I must be passionate. If I'm getting fast or a bit louder or, or, you know, whatever, I'm probably getting really excited or passionate about something and I want to catch up to my brain, but I never can. My mouth can't. So that's really, that's a really a big one, I reckon. And that's just my opinion. But I think a lot of times you think, oh, you're rude because you talk, you talk loudly or um, like robotically or aggressively or, you know, too fast or these things. And that, that's an autistic brain. <laughs> trying to control a mouth, you know, trying to link up to the mouth to talk. We don't, sometimes we don't even have the, the capacity to get to the point where we're worrying about the tone and the volume and the speed. We're just trying to worry about our brain getting words to our mouth and you hearing them. That's, I mean, honestly, that, that can be an autistic experience. Nothing's easy. So absolutely we're not being rude. So let's, let's do a few things. Okay, let's t I'll talk you through what I'm going to do. I want to give you some strategies for autistic people, okay, and I want to give you some strategies for neurotypical people. We're talking about reducing the risk of being misinterpreted as rude. Okay. And hopefully that will help you as an autistic person or you as a neurotypical person. So let's go. Here we go. Bring it on. And everyone's different. So it might not work for you, but we'll do our best. Okay. So let's explore. Let's find some strategies that help you with your specific strengths, your needs, 
your preferences as an autistic person. Strategies that hopefully you will find helpful. Enhance self-awareness. I believe I went through puberty during that uh, first word. It's taken a while. Enhance. So get to know yourself. That makes sense, right? Get to know your own autistic self, your own autistic traits, how they manifest, how they're perceived by others. That can be really beneficial. So not about getting to know them, it's about getting to know you and how you manifest as an autistic person and how that is received or perceived by others. You self-reflect. You try and work out the things in social situations that you are a part of more regularly and try to get to the bottom of the behaviour and the cues involved in those things. Research has suggested that self-awareness interventions, so things you're basically learning yourself, teaching yourself, can lead to improved social interactions and relationships. You can also practice active listening. So for me, active listening might be no eye contact. So it goes both ways in neurotypical people. So you got to, so we're talking about paying attention to people during conversations and working out how to properly listen, actively listen. Now, this is when neurotypical people will say, well, actually, active listening is showing them, or they'll use the word demonstrating to them, that you're listening. What does that mean by looking me in the eye? This is where it becomes like, get your, get your crap out of here, mate. Put it in your next textbook. I don't care. Oh, it involves eye contact. It involves nodding, providing verbal cues, whatever. Practice active listening to the point where you are actually hearing what someone's saying and you're able to engage. Explicit communication for autistic people. Being direct and explicit in communication can help avoid misunderstandings. Autistic people find it really helpful to express their thoughts, needs, intentions. Clearly, we do. We express all this kind of stuff clearly, explicitly, black and white. Bang, here it is, right? Take it or leave it. Promotes clarity. It reduces a chance of miscommunication. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen on the other side. So I think this is really, really an important skill for autistic people to continue to master and to use. Be direct. Be direct and explicit with the people you're talking to. You, you know, or it's what's, what's ever going to change. You might want to use visual supports. Things that can help you. You might use, like I said, visual support, social stories, you know, schedules. Some people like to come up with their own scripts like conversational scripts that I put them on cards, whatever. Cool. Whatever works, my friend. Whatever works for you to get your message across and have a positive experience with someone else is what, what it's all about. 100%. <coughs> I'm not editing that out because I don't edit podcasts because they're just you listening to a voice and you've got a problem with that. <coughs> Take it up with the manager. So like I said, social scripts, really good. Research actually suggests social scripts can actually enhance social skills and reduce anxiety in autistic people, right? And it's a guide. It's a guide for how you want to communicate and it reduces the chances of being unintentionally, you know, misinterpreted as rude or or whatever, disinterested. Learn and respect your personal boundaries. 
Don't you think that sounds like a pretty good idea? Yeah. Social boundaries improve social understanding. This is important. I know you can do this. How? I don't know. You'll work it out. <laughs> Whatever works for you, physical distance, right? The, the way you, you are perceived or you, you are in a room, these kind of things. You can always ask for support too socially. You might have a friend or a partner or a family member who, you know, you like to go places with and that's really helpful. Why shouldn't it be? So professional support could also help. I, I still talk to a psychologist regularly. You could talk through your experiences with them and troubleshoot things with them. I think that makes sense. Why wouldn't you do that if, it, if, it's, if it's a possible a possible improvement. Technology is great. You might want to use technology to communicate, like assisted technologies, apps, devices. You know, these things help social interactions with people, right? Because they, they bridge the gap of communication difficulties. So use them. And of course, this comes down to the other party accepting this kind of stuff. We'll get to that soon. But they're really important. They, they, ooh, they reduce misunderstandings. You've got to continue, consider your sensory sensitivities because we know they're there. So be aware of your personal sensory needs. What are your potential triggers going into this communication, this situation with someone else? Because that's what it's about, right? We're talking, this podcast is really about how we come across rude to other people. So know, know the issues, know the possible triggers to help you manage that anxiety. Try and prevent the meltdowns and the shutdowns which then can happen and be perceived as being rude or, or not appropriate. Coping strategies are great for these situations. So if you know the sensory stuff, if you know the triggers and you can develop some coping strategies, now what would that be? Would it be taking breaks, going to quiet places? Would it be using certain stimming tools or toys? Is it just those scripts we're talking about? Whatever helps you reduce your social communication challenges, super important. <clears throat> I reckon this is the last one before we get on to how to help neurotypical people. You've got to embrace you. You've got to embrace your communication style, your personal style, my friend. You have unique strengths and talents. Identify and communicate those strengths, those talents. They're going to help you foster positive interactions. And they're going to contribute to building your own self-confidence. Your personal style is great. Be you, my friend. Be you. Be proud of it. You're emphasizing your personal interests, your strengths, your areas of expertise. This kind of stuff will help you establish common ground and will create meaningful connections. So now let's move to neurotypicals. Key strategies that neurotypical people can consider to reduce misunderstandings or misinterpreting autistic people as rude. You better educate yourself, my friend, about autism. Now, you're doing it right now, listening to me or watching me, and I appreciate that. I applaud you. Thank you. You have to take the initiative, guys. If you're going to be interacting with autistic people, learn about autism, its characteristics, the diverse ways it can manifest. Familiarise yourself with common communication and social challenges experienced by autistic people, by the autistic person in your life. We know this. Education is going to play a crucial role, don't you think? If we want to have understanding and appreciation and acceptance, we need education. 
That has to start with you and you're doing a great thing listening to this, so thank you. Practicing empathy and understanding is really important. Can you put yourself in the shoes of the autistic person in your life? Try to understand from what you've learned about autism, about their perspective, how this interaction, communication situation could be playing on them. Recognize you have a different brain. They're different. That means they've got different communication styles, different social behaviors. These aren't intentional. These aren't rude. They're different manifestations of their neurodivergent brain, their neurodivergent experiences. And cultivating that empathy and patience, well, it's going to help in your interactions with autistic people. Another one is, and we've talked about this with technology, and I said it works both ways. Okay, so as a neurotypical person, you need to be open, accepting, welcoming, supportive of the alternate communication methods. Autistic people don't all communicate in the same way. They can differ widely. I'm sure you've heard of, they can be non-speaking autistic people, right? They communicate differently. But there's so many ways, it's, it's, it's unlimited really, because you can come up with your own ways. But actually being open to this is really beneficial for the autistic person. What ways work? Are they non-speaking communication ways? Is it written communication? Assistive technologies? So do they like phone calls? No, they hate them. Okay, do they like texts? Yeah, they're okay. Emails, right? There's the thumbs up. But you see what I'm saying? So is it that hard? Is it that hard to have conversations with your partner or your autistic person in your life via email or text or handwritten notes, post-its or recorded, you know, voice memos, senders messages or something or using these devices, assisted apps, technologies. Is it really that hard just what, just because that's not how you communicate? <clears throat> it isn't actually, is it? It's actually very easy. So, so you know, really that, it's about embracing those, adapting communication styles to meet the needs of the autistic person in your life. It really isn't that hard. And I think the hardest part most of the time is getting other people to not only accept it, but to embrace the use of it. But it actually takes away all the misunderstandings. Don't, I don't want you to call me and talk to me on the phone. I want you to text me or email me. Right? How, that's not rude. That's me telling you how I'm going to have a good conversation, an engaging conversation with you, I'm, and I'm not going, to, not going to come across like I'm rude or something, which is, you know, anyway. It's important that you as a neurotypical person focus on the intention behind the behavior. Instead of solely focusing on the behavior itself, consider the intention behind it. Now, autistic individuals, we can have difficulty expressing ourselves in ways that align with you as a neurotypical person. Autistic people will struggle, because we have an autistic brain, in expressing ourselves the way neurotypical people expect, as in via a neurotypical brain. Oh, why is that? Because we have an autistic brain. Good grief. So instead of saying that's not how I expect you to communicate or express yourself, stop for a second and think, hang on a second, the intention behind this, it's coming from an autistic brain here. So it can't meet my expectations. How quickly would that fix problems? You've got to look behind the surface level, my friends. Understand the underlying message 
intention being conveyed by the autistic person. This is huge, neurotypicals. Give the autistic person in your life time to process and respond. Don't call us rude or ignoring you. We're processing. We, as a rule, will require further, more processing time than maybe you do as a neurotypical person. We need to process information from a neurotypical source to our autistic brain. That takes time. Then we've got to formulate responses, which are probably going to be the wrong response because we processed it badly or in the wrong way as per what you expect. So don't rush us. Don't pressure an autistic person. Expecting they should respond immediately. I've asked you a question. You haven't answered it in the first few seconds. I'll ask it again. Still haven't answered it. What's wrong with you? Ask it again. Pepper, pepper, pressure, pressure. That's not how it works. Autistic people don't hear something and respond immediately a lot of the times. Sometimes, definitely, right? Because it might just be a yes, no thing. That makes sense. But if you're having a conversation with someone and they're like, you, you know, what's the deal? You're not answering my question. Are you ignoring me? You're so rude, right? No, it's processing the, the, the silence there. But this is the other thing, right? Apparently for neurotypicals, silence can be really bad. It's like, whoa, what is this? What, you want me to just sit here in silence for 30 seconds while you process my question and wait to be respond? Yes, that's right. Hold, hold, please. <laughs> this, is what, this is what we'll do from now on, autistic people, right? Next time a neurotypical person asks you a question or something, I want you to tell them, look, right, look, them, look them right in the eye, right? So that will really offend them, right? Okay. Look them right in the eye because I know, I know how much how hard this is. So that'll really get their attention, right? And just go, hold, please. And then just take your time, process, enjoy, my friends. How good would that be? <laughs> so be patient. Give the autistic person in your life the time and space they need, which will promote more comfortable, effective communication. Using clear and concise language is so important. When you're communicating with an autistic person, be clear and straightforward. Why is this so hard? Why? Like seriously, that will mean to some people avoid sarcasm, idioms, ambiguous statements. Saying the opposite of what you want to convey. Oh, I don't even know what that means. These neurotypical things people do, for goodness sakes. These kind of things, right, these open-ended or these weird, like these not clear and concise, these ambiguous things, they make it extremely difficult to process and interpret, almost impossible to respond to. So what, what do we do, Orion? I'm telling you, be clear, be concise. So use concrete, explicit language. Not, now listen, now listen, I'm just about had enough of your, you're always in the gutter and, I, and it's an, I've just about had it, okay? I, I understand you see me or you hear me and that's where you go. That's not acceptable, okay? When, I'm, when I say explicit, I don't mean like that and how dare you. I mean, you know, like clear, honest, open. Seriously, can we just move on? I don't need more of this crap from you. Seriously, I want to finish this podcast. <clears throat> this kind of language helps, guys. It minimizes confusion and misunderstandings. Another one, you should provide clear and explicit instructions or expectations. Why wouldn't you? Give instructions, that's good. That's really helpful for autistic people. But for goodness sakes, can you please communicate those instructions and expectations clearly? Like provide clear step-by-step -step explicit, not again, explicit guidance. Is it that hard? 
So we're breaking down complex tasks into smaller manageable steps with specific instructions. What, shouldn't you do that for everyone? Wouldn't the world be better if everyone got that? Why do so many things have to be like left to, it's, everything's a test in life. It's so stupid. This clarity actually helps the autistic person better understand what you're asking, the expectations, and to navigate it. And that reduces the likelihood of misunderstandings. You've got to respect sensory sensitivities as well as a neurotypical person. Just be mindful of the environment that they're coming into. Can you create a more friendly environment for them? Can you adapt it so it's more sensory friendly where possible? Does this mean turning things down or off, like getting rid of excess noise that need to be on? Are there quiet places that we, you could do this chat hangout? Be aware of the weird-ass strong smells, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? These things are easy. Do you need all the lights on? Right? So that doesn't seem hard to me. And you can do that and automatically it just it, it actually cuts out the, op- the opportunity of being in situations where you feel like the autistic person is just being rude. How about asking for clarification? This is a big one. If you're unsure about something an autistic person said and you just think, bang, you're rude. No, ask for clarification. Instead of making assumptions, clarify. Because, well, for starters, we're direct and honest, yeah, in our communication. And we actually really appreciate it in reverse. Yeah, we appreciate direct and honest conversation. I mean, as long as the honest conversation isn't uh, negative feedback, you can take that and shove it. But you, but you get what I'm saying. Asking for clarification actually demonstrates a willingness to understand and avoid jumping to those assumptions that you're rude. So making assumptions and generalizations is something you do. And I've asked you to clarify before doing that. But I, I know that you do because it's human nature. We all do. So let's just talk about that. Okay, so clarifying is great. I get it. Now, every autistic person is different. You really have to avoid making these assumptions, these generalizations. Oh, but that's how that autistic character on TV is. So it's a spectrum, right? An infinite color wheel spectrum. You know, no two autistic people are the same. And it's not a line with two ends. It's just a spectrum. Every individual presents differently. We have a wide range of strengths, challenges, preferences, support, and care needs. Just treat each individual as an individual like you do everyone else. And that goes for autistic people. Just avoid the stereotyping. Avoid the assumptions and generalizations. Clarification helps. Try and be more flexible and adaptable. Why? Because you're probably better at that, right, as a neurotypical person than I am. I know you are. So you should really try and use that. So you, you, you know social norms and expectations are different from a neurotypical brain to an autistic brain. You know that now. You've taken the time to learn. Okay, so can you be willing to maybe adapt your own expectations, be more flexible in accommodating the different needs of an autistic person in your life? That understanding and acceptance fosters obviously much more positive, more inclusive interactions. It's good for everyone. It's a win-win. And again, I'm asking you to do this because you know, I know that this is something you're, you, you can do. Flexibility, adaptability can be extremely hard for an autistic brain. Now, fostering a culture of acceptance and inclusion, that sounds a bit broad, yeah? But I'm talking about you, your tribe, 
your family, your friends, your workplace, you, your world. Let's just work on your, let's just fix your world. And hopefully that means that many people are fixing their world. And then the broader world becomes more accepting and inclusive, right? Advocate for the autistic person in your life. Advocate for the autistic community. Challenge the stereotypes. Promote neurodiversity, right? A difference in minds. Create these types of cultures and values that respect different brains, neurodivergent people. Reduce misunderstandings. Promote meaningful connections. You can do this. That's why I'm, that's why I'm suggesting it for you because I believe you can do it. And I just want you to know that the autistic person in your life is absolutely just as capable of feeling and expressing emotions and empathy as anyone else. It comes down to the struggle with the social communication skills that come easier to others, like neurotypical people. But by kind of getting our head around this, about autism, about autistic people, hopefully this helps us get some compassion, some understanding, appreciation and acceptance. And that, my friends, is what it's all about. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. I cannot believe we've made it through another podcast to My Friend Autism. You guys are amazing for listening and for watching. Thank you so much for your incredible support of my YouTube channels and my podcast. I really do appreciate it. And until my next video podcast to My Friend Autism, thanks for your support. We'll talk soon. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.